Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Scripture that's tucked here in Luke chapter number 10. I'm going to read these verses tonight. Amen. And you're hearing verse number 38. The Bible says, now it came to pass as they went that he, and this is speaking of Jesus, he, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. Tonight, for a little while, I want to talk along this subject matter, and I was almost hesitant uh, to call uh, and label this sermon this because uh, probably about now, it's probably been about three years ago, I preached a sermon called a Jake and Boaz type of church. That's what I called it. And so tonight, I'm, I don't know if I'm starting a, a series, and it's going to be between now and eternity that these are going to come, but tonight I want to talk to you about a Martha Mary type church. All right? And, 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 it, and don't by any, it's not going to mirror exactly Jacob and Boaz, okay? If anybody remembers that, if you don't, no hard feelings. But we're going to talk about a Martha Mary type of church tonight. Can we go to the Lord in prayer tonight, Father? God, we need your Lord Jesus in this place. God, stir up the gift within us, O Lord, by the putting on of your hands. That's your word. God, Scripture says so. God, help us, Lord, tonight, God, to look intently, God, at the word of the Lord. God, let that word speak to our individual lives and us as a church collectively. God, I want to have an ear that will hear what the Spirit is saying. We know, God, by your word that the Spirit speaketh expressively. And so give me an ear, Lord, to hear what it is saying. God, for me individually, God, for me as being a part of this body of Christ, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you accomplish in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' day name. A Martha Mary. A Martha Mary. And I'm just going to put out a little disclaimer right away. There could be a possibility somewhere along this sermon that I invert Martha with Mary or Mary with Martha because they both start with M and it's very close. Okay? So I'm already asking for your forgiveness before I make the mistake because it'll probably happen. A Martha Mary type of church within the, organi- the organism called the church. We have all varieties of people and personalities that participate in different ways. The church is comprised of more than just the hour and a half that we spend here during any normal service that we have during the week. It is comprised of more than just that hour and a half or two hour time frame. The church, we know very plainly that it takes custodians and Lawn maintenance people, musicians, teachers, secretaries, tithers, worshipers, praisers, song leaders, connect group facilitators, door openers, greeters, cookers, encouragers, preachers, sow winners, trash collectors, and the list goes on and on. But many of these commitments happen or fall outside of that hour and a half time frame that we have on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. All these duties that I just mentioned to you, yes, are absolutely vital. And yes, they are important to the health of the church. And many times those things that happen outside of church time underwrite these times that we spend together in the house of the Lord during service. It's not that the song service matters and the manicured lawn doesn't matter. It's not that the offering matters and the diligence to pay the bills that Sister Mason does by week by week doesn't matter. It's not that the preaching matters and the clean restrooms don't matter. 
All right, everything matters. But there are moments when some of these things rise to the status of what we might call a better matter, a best matter, or at least what matters most in the moment. There's times that they may slip and slide to points of elevation where at other times they might not so much. This story that I read to you tonight in your hearing is is the story isn't about accepting the actions of Mary and yet discarding the actions of Martha. This story is about prioritizing actions. This story is about needing both Martha and Mary's ways in our Christian lives. Because one way is regarded as better maybe than the other. But not to the degree that the other should be ignored altogether. Timing is critical concerning what's done and when it's done. It plays a role. It has a purpose. It matters. There is one achievement of Martha that creates an opportunity for Mary. This is a story really of priority. It's a story of missing a moment due to an attitude that is involved in a minute. It is a story of privileges that sometimes is enjoyed at another's expense. I know over time, even as a pastor, a preacher of God's word, I've heard this passage preached, taught on several occasions. But I come to tell us tonight this, that we should not be pitting Mary against Martha or vice versa. We don't need to be elevating that the actions of Mary if you will superseded the actions of Martha or Martha was wrong and Mary was right we don't need to pit one against the other they should not stand in contrast to each other because they are meant to complement one another the package deal I believe of the church of every age and particularly our age is honing the skills of both Mary and Martha Yes, we can see according to God's word that there is a difference between Mary and Martha. For that matter, their brother Lazarus. There's a difference there as well with Mary and Martha and even their brother Lazarus. But the Bible tells us in John of the account of the Lazarus story that Jesus loved them all. It says he loved Martha, amen, and her sister and Lazarus. They had differences. Their approaches were different. What they came to the table with was different. But the Lord loved each and every one of them. Someone say amen. Our text this evening is the setting that Jesus is in their presence. And he's in their presence because it could not flourish there without a Martha, but neither could it succeed without a Mary. Jesus was in the house. Jesus was among them. Jesus' word was going forth. Not just because there was a Mary, but because there was a Martha and a Mary. I hope tonight before I'm done to be able to illustrate to this body of people that our modern day church amen is going to hopelessly suffer if we don't have both the contributions of a Martha and a Mary that's among us someone say amen there is a shift that takes place in the book of Luke Jesus has spent much of his ministry in and around the region of Galilee. But there is a shift now that is taking place. Jesus is beginning to feel the burden of his purpose. He's beginning to feel the burden, amen, of his true call for coming down in flesh and blood. Amen. And he is on his way now with the intent knowing that he's going to be crucified to a cruel cross. As a matter of fact, on a couple of occasions, he has talked openly to his disciples about his death that would occur and happen. He's told them about some of the particulars that would take place. He's told them about the third day. And the Bible says in Luke 9 and verse 51, and it here's the shift, and it came to pass when the time was come, the time of his crucifix, the time that would lead ultimately to his ascension, when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem 
The New International Version says it like this. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The Amplified says it like this. Jesus determined to go to Jerusalem. Much up to this point in time of his ministry has been spent around Galilee. Healing people. Amen. Touching other ones that were blind. Ministry taking place. But now there's a shift. He knows the hours come upon him that he would be received. Up. Up on the cross. Ultimately up in his ascension to heaven. And so now he he sets his face resolutely. He is determined to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus' journey to Jerusalem was not dictated by a straight line. He wasn't leaving Galilee and straight going to Jerusalem. It was, if you were to look at it on the map, his way to Jerusalem was going to be a zigzag. Uh, he's going to make the star of David on the map before it's all said and done. And he arrives at Jerusalem. But his journey was ultimately going to coincide with his purpose of the cross and crucifix. His journey would culminate, it would end with the cross, followed by his ascension up into heaven. But the path there would be anything but straight. The path there would be anywhere but direct. The Bible says in Luke 10 and verse number 1, and, and sorry I'm, I'm moving here tonight because I'm preaching longer and I'm trying to speak faster so it won't be as long. I don't know what's going on. Amen. And so in Luke 10 and verse number 1, the Bible says, After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Amen. And so what Jesus is doing, he is sending people out before him, and wherever he sends them, he's going to show up. Wherever he sends them and they go into the cities and places, he would later come himself. But before Jesus commissioned the 70 or the 72, however we wish to look at it, before Jesus commissioned the 70 to go before him into cities and villages and houses and lands, places that he would come, he already had this happening before he commissioned it. His commissioning was just like the, the formal, actual, if you will, commissioning of it. But it was happening before it even came to that point of time. The Bible tells us in Luke 9 that whenever he set his face to go to Jerusalem, he sent messengers before him, ahead of him, to the village a village that was in the area of the Samaritans. Samaria would be on his way to Jerusalem. He sends messengers before him into that village but the Bible says they did not receive him. Luke 9, verse 52 through 53, and sent messengers before his, that's Jesus' face, and they went and entered to a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, and they did not, the Samaritans did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. There's something that Jesus knew quite well. Amen. And that is this. He knew quite well that not every city would accept him. He knew quite well that not every village and not every household would accept him. He knew he would be welcomed in some houses and others he would not. Some would gladly allow him in and others would just do their hand like this and say, go on, continue on your journey. And so he prepped those that were sent out before him with this understanding. Jesus told them, you can read this in Luke 10, Jesus told them that he sent out, he says, I'm going to send you out two by two, and you're going to enter these cities, you're going to enter these villages, you're going to come to these homes, and he says, when you come to them, and you are welcomed, he says, this is what I, this is what I, I recommend to you. You are to eat and drink whatever is provided for you. Whatever they set before you, eat and drink if they have welcomed you into their village, their city, or their home. For that matter, he said, says when you've been welcomed he says you heal their sick whenever they've been whenever they've been welcoming to you he says you tell the people that the kingdom of God has come near to them he says for that matter I don't want to just set you up for failure because not everybody's going to welcome you because they're not going to want to welcome me and he says if you come to a city a village or a town or a household and they don't welcome you he says you leave that abode you go out to the edge of the city you shake the dust of that city off your feet and you still tell them this that they've had a close encounter with the kingdom of God he says whether they welcome you or whether they don't welcome you they won't be able to say they didn't have a near experience with the kingdom of God 
And so we see Jesus visiting and coming to all these different cities. Some of the cities that are spoken of in the word are cities like Chorazin and Bethsaida and Tyre and Sidon and Capernaum, places that he visited because he's on his journey to Jerusalem. It isn't a direct route. He's making several stops. Some are receiving, some are rejecting. And he stops at places far from Jerusalem and he stops at places that are close to Jerusalem. Understand now, Jesus is headed to his crucifix. And along the way, he's headed to his crucifix. I'd say it like this. He's headed to die for the sins of the world. But on the way, people are rejecting him just as often as they are welcoming him. He's going to die for their sin. And some are rejecting and some are accepting. Someone say amen. But in our text, Ain't bad, 13 minutes. But in our text, he approaches the city of Bethany. Bethany lies on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Bethany is the final stop before Jerusalem. It's just off the main road that goes east and west. That's coming from Jericho. As a matter of fact, Bethany is right along the Jericho Road that you just see mentioned in the Good Samaritan story where the man fell among thieves. It's right along that road road a person could walk from Bethany to Jerusalem in about 55 minutes or in about an hour's time Martha and Mary's home is in Bethany is what we deduce from other places in scripture it's about two miles from Jerusalem Bethany though in our text in our scripture setting Bethany isn't mentioned in our text it's called a certain village because no place specifically at all is mentioned here in our text because the Lord is deeming what happened there more important than the place The Bible tells us in verse 38, Jesus is on his way. His disciples are with him. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He has an appointment with death. Crucifix is on the horizon. His ascension is going to be the crowning glory of it all. But on his way, as he's come to several different towns and communities and cities, on his way he comes to this nondescript village. And nothing, please know in the record of scripture that nothing is mentioned about any of the disciples or Jesus himself or anybody. Nothing is mentioned about anyone asking if they could visit the house of Martha. But the Bible says a woman named Martha received him. Received him into her house. The NIV says it like this, that she opened her home. He's not asked. The disciples not asked. Nobody's requested. They didn't say, may I? They didn't say, can I? But this woman, understanding him on a journey, says, I'm going to step out on the porch and I'm going to receive him into my house. You say, what's the big deal, Brother McGee? I'll tell you what the big deal is. The big deal is this. That phrase of a woman receiving him into her home is set against the background that I just gave you. That not every village welcomed him. Not every household let him in. Not every city was welcoming. Yet in the midst of all of that, here is a household in Bethany that is welcoming Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. For that matter, she received him without any record that he requested if he could come in. She says, why don't you just come on into my house? Why don't you just come on in unto my abode? Someone say amen. The Bible says that Martha did this herself. She welcomed Jesus herself. She did it. She initiated. She initiated it. Most translations will say that she welcomed him as a guest in her house or in her home. Amen. Because if they don't include the home part, that it makes the sentence in our English translations uh, end a little bit abruptly. Amen. So they add the location into the house or into the home. But literally in the Greek language, it's translated literally like this, that Mary received him. 
See, I already did it. Martha received him. Nothing more and nothing less. And then we read in the very next verse. Just hold on here for a moment. Then we read in the very next verse that Mary, her sister, is found sitting at his feet. And then in the next verse, we read that Martha is cumbered with much serving. Amen. It's here that oftentimes we'll begin to chastise Martha. Martha, what you up to? Here you are serving. You're cumbered with many things. You're troubled and all this such you and we chastise her and be, brow beat her and, and then we commend Mary and praise her oh thank goodness for Mary she's found sitting at the feet of Jesus she's found listening to the word of the Lord and here oh Martha she was serving and she was stirring and we'll talk about that amen here in a moment just a little bit further but before we go on talking about that can I tell you tonight we must not be too hasty to realize that Mary doesn't have any feet to sit at had it not been for Martha inviting him in the Mary you would be sitting at an empty chair with no vocal word but because Martha went to the porch and said Jesus come in the house Mary has seat, has feet to sit at because Martha gave an invitation someone say amen what are you saying? I'm saying, Mary, you can't hear his word. If he's not here, the church could not flourish without the Marthas. Otherwise, we come together void of his presence and with the absence of his word. Thank God for the initiative of a Martha that will receive him and welcome him without him having to ask. So say amen. Mm. Oh, bless Mary. Bless her Lord. Huge hitting at the feet of Jesus. Not to be too hasty. And remember how he got there. There's a Martha somewhere saying. Come on in, Lord. Come on in. Can I tell you as a pastor, and then secondly, as a saint, there's been times I've sat at the feet of a presence that I never invited in, but somebody else did. No, 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 no. What I'm trying to tell you is there are times, I can't even tell you the times I've sat at his feet when I wasn't the one that invited him in. At times, I've enjoyed the presence of God and I didn't receive him or welcome him or invite him, but because somebody else did, I could sit at his feet and hear his now don't look all pompous at me right now because you know you've been in the same shoes. At times you came in here and you never gave the invitation. There was no welcoming spirit before the church service was over though. You were sitting at the base of his presence because somebody did the due diligence. So let's be careful about parading everybody that sits at the feet and not forget those that invited him in. There's been times I've sat at his feet, but I didn't open the door. I've heard his word in the church without playing any part in ushering in his presence. I've been, been a, I've been a beneficiary, if you will, of someone else's invitation. I've been a beneficiary of another's praise. I've been a beneficiary of another's worship, of another's prayer. I've benefited from the Martha. saying tonight then brother I'm saying this I'm not exalting Martha above Mary Mary above Martha we need both for that matter we need to play both roles we need to sit at his, at his feet and hear his word but we also need to get him in the house 
Bishop, it makes me think of, I think it's, I'm trying to remember here real quickly. It's, it's in Exodus. It may be 33 if my memory serves me correctly. Amen. In Exodus, I think it is 33. The Bible speaks of how at this particular time that Moses was sitting up the tabernacle outside of the camp of Israel, outside of all their tents. Tents normally it would be set right in the center. Amen. And their their tent doors would all be directed, whether they was on the east, west, north, or south, their tent doors would be directed toward the tabernacle. But at this time there were some things going on, and Moses was sitting the tabernacle outside of the camp of Israel. Amen. And the Bible speaks that Moses went into the tabernacle and he approached God he spoke with God amen and the Bible says as he did that that the cloudy pillar the glory of the Lord of Shekinah if you will of his presence fell in that tent in that tabernacle in so much all those that were in their tents and in the flap of their tent door was watching that cloud come down and the Bible even says they began to worship the Lord from their tent doors but there's a little inclusion here toward the end that Moses left that presence he left that cloud he went back to the camp and as he did that there was his servant Joshua the son of Nun that did not depart from the presence of the Lord but he stayed what are you saying somewhere in the recesses of the tabernacle while Moses talked with God and while the power of God fell and while the people worshipped was a Joshua amen that stayed in the presence amen that somebody else pursued Here's, the, here's part and parcel some of the pitfall if you will of Martha in verse 39 was that the same invitation she gave to his presence she fell short with his word She wanted him in her home, but failed in a sense to receive his word in the moment. I want his presence. We need the Marthas, Brother Zach. I want his presence. When I read it, I'm going to share just a little uh, short list of scriptures here concerning the presence of the Lord. I want his presence. There's, there's, there's value. There's, if you will, there's perks. There's privileges that tongue and groove or they're associated that come with byproducts, if you will, of his presence. I want his presence. First Chronicles 16 and verse 27 says this. Glory and honor are in his presence. I want his presence. I, I need glory. I, I, I want honor. That's in his presence. The Bible says strength and gladness are in his place. I need that. I want that. Sign me up for it. Show me where to put my name. Amen. If you're giving out tickets for it, I want one of them. I, I need glory. I need honor. I need strength. I need gladness. I need that. I need his presence. The Bible says in Psalms 9 in verse number 3, when mine enemies, the psalmist said, turn back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. I mean, come on, I'm not an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I want his presence. I want my enemies, if you will, to fall. I want my enemies to perish because of his presence. Give me that. I'm all about his presence. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says this, one that you may be familiar with, that will shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I want the fullness of joy. I want pleasures forevermore. That is tongue and grew associated with byproduct of his presence I want a Martha that will invite him him in so I have access to his presence for glory and honor and strength and joy and yes I want the presence I need it Acts 3 and verse 19 the Bible says repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from where the presence you're looking at a boy here that needs refreshed every once in a while. I need refreshed in the spirit. I need refreshed. I need that. Someone say yeah. yeah. But I don't need that alone. I need also to be able to sit and listen 
to the word. For the Bible tells us, and these are just references for you, Ephesians 5, 26, that it is his word that sanctifies us and cleanses us. His presence gives me pleasure, but his word gives me purity. I need his presence, but I also need his word. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 105, his word is a what? Lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. His presence strengthens me and refreshes me, but his word guides me. I'm all about his presence, but not at the neglect of his word. Psalms 119 and verse 49, it tells us his word causes us to hope. Folks, his presence gives glory and honor, but his word causes me to hope. You can have glory and honor and still feel hopeless, but the word instills hope. What are you saying? I need Martha, but I also need Mary. He needs an invitation to come in his presence, but we also got to sit at his feet and hear his word. We need a Martha Mary type of church. Right? Because we've done ourselves a disservice of his church if we just invite him in. And experience the presence without sitting at his feet to hear his word. It's not that Martha, listen closely. It's not that Martha never sat at Jesus' feet. It's simply she wasn't right now. Verse 39, look at it if you will. And she had a sister called Mary, which everybody say also. She had a sister Mary called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I've looked at this, I've read this, read in a gazillion different translations, asked other people's opinions, scholars, things of that matter. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. If Mary also sits, that means someone else sat too. So it's not, Brother Terry, that Martha never sat. She just wasn't sitting right now. And so as the scripture goes on here, we see, we see here in verse number 39, just as Martha took the initiative to welcome Jesus in, Mary took the initiative of sitting at Jesus' feet. Right? Amen. Because the Bible speaks very plainly that she sat at Jesus' feet. But here's the important thing to understand. Without Mary, what we have, without Mary, what we have is a divine visitation. A divine visitation that will never materialize into a divine habitation. Martha gets him in the door. Mary sitting at his feet listening causes him to stay. I think you would agree with me tonight this, that we don't just want to be satisfied around here just with a visitation from the Lord, but we want an inhabitation. Oh, yeah. It was spoken years ago, second church and so on and so forth. Seen little smoky cloud in the sanctuary. And the Lord spoke. He says, I've taken up a habitation. I've taken up dwelling in your place. What do you say? That's what I want. I just don't want a little visitation, a little touch on the shoulder, a little goosebump, a little glory hallelujah. No, 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 no. I want it whenever I come here on Monday and nobody's here. He's still there. I want the Shekinah. I want the cloud. I want it to remain. Amen. That's going to mean more than just welcoming him. That's going to mean I'm going to sit at his feet when he's here. That turns invitations to habitation. Amen. Oh, someone say yes. Gotta go. Run. Run. 
In verse 40, Martha is upset because she feels as though she is left alone in her preparations. I invited him. I'm serving him. But you, Mary, have forsaken the task and resorted to basking in his presence and hearing his word. Watch this now. Remember, Mary also sat, which means that someone sat there beside her. Couched in the question that Martha poses to the Lord in verse number 40 is this phrase. Watch it. My sister hath left me to serve alone. The rendering of the Greek is this, is that she kept on leaving me. What are you saying? Just as somewhere along the way, Martha had sat with Mary, somewhere along the way, Mary had served with Martha. She had helped Martha serve, but she kept leaving to listen until she just finally sat down. She kept on leaving. It's like, it's almost like here's, here's Mary. She's helping Martha serve for a moment over here. But, you know, the Lord's over here and he's speaking the word. She's like, she come over here, sit down for a little bit. And I don't know if it was a look or whatever, but she get back up and work on, you know, dishes and things like that. And then all of a sudden, whoo, squirrel, here we come over here, you know, a little bit. And after so many times of keeping on leaving, she finally just stayed still sitting, listening to the word. So let's not be too quick to fault Martha for not sitting or Mary for not serving. Oh, someone say amen. <laughs> so, Martha, she's been sitting one time. Mary's been serving at one time. But someone say right now. Right now. What was mattering in this moment was his word. Both matters of even serving and sitting mattered. But there are times when the good part is hearing the word. Not pastor's word. Not bishop's word. Not mason's word. We're all peddlers of his Not the conference preacher's word. Not Kenny Carpenter's word. Not Jeff Arnold's word. See, the, 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 the phrase in verse 42, good part, as it's translated in our English Bibles, can also be translated better part or best part. What this means is this, folks. Martha's servings... Her serving, her actions of serving, it's not that they were bad. It's just that in the moment, there were some others that were better. It's not that they were wrong. It's just they were not for this time. Someone say amen. He said there's a good part. There's a better part. There's a best part for this moment. And that is the word. Now note this for a moment. Look at it if you will. And so Martha, she's a little upset. She goes and talks to the Lord, right? In verse number 41, she talks to the Lord. And this is Martha. Look at this. This is Martha who tells Jesus what he must say. Hmm? This is, this is her telling him what he must say in verse number 40. Does not that care? Look what it, she's telling to the Lord. Bid her, therefore, that she helped me. This is Martha who is telling Jesus what he must say. At the moment, compared with and different from the Mary who listens to what Jesus wishes to say. One moment, one's telling him what you need to say. The other one is, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Now, this is interesting. Because though Martha's a little upset, we 
don't see in this passage anywhere where Mary has any fault to find with Michael. To have anywhere where Mary has any fault to find with Martha, although she's busy about and stirring and doing and clanking and chanking and all that good stuff, she never says anything about Martha because she's listening to the word. She's enamored with the Lord. And this is just Paul McGee tonight. This is strictly me. Maybe she's slightly aware that her sitting at the feet is listening has been hinged on Martha's invitation. I'm not going to begin to complain about Martha because I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at had it not been. We need the Marthas. We need the Marys. Sometimes we need to be the Martha. And there's times we need to be the Mary. Sometimes we need to be the Martha and we need to understand when it becomes time to be the Mary. Someone say amen. So, a little, little trouble going on. Martha's spirit. The Bible was not so much that she was doing something wrong, but she was being drawn away to the point of being troubled by what she was doing. And I don't know how else to say this tonight, but to say this that our attitude in what we do and with what we do can affect our overall interaction with his presence. See, in Jewish society, in Jewish society, hospitality was very important. From Old Testament and New Testament, they, they pride themselves in being hospitable people. If someone came by and they needed to be received in the home, offering hospitality, a place to stay, stay water for their feet, food to eat, all of that, that, that it was... If I might say it like this, particularly uh, for, for those of female, the Jewish people, the honor and even the reputation of a woman was associated with her ability to provide hospitality. You so, said, Brother McGee, you're telling us to be a Martha Mary type of church, and yet Martha has this little, you know, ruffled feather in her. Well, the reason why I still admonish us to be a Martha Mary type of church is because I think the ruffled feather just shows the practical side that that happens in church. I'm not setting before you this flawless, crystal clear, so pure and unformed thing, but God just puts this little ruffled feather in Martha to show that we need the invitation, we need the habitation, but sometimes feathers get ruffled. Sometimes we get so consumed with what we're doing, it distracts from him. And so here she is, her, her, her very being, her reputation, her honor associated with her hospitality. Something has slipped to a certain degree with Martha. Because Martha, no doubt, is doing all this serving, all this stuff, this hospitality ritual, if you will. She's getting consumed in the fact about what other people is thinking about her than what the Lord in this moment, is considering her. Because the word cumbered in verse 40, to be cumbered in other places means to be distracted. The literal, the literal meaning of that word in the Greek language is this, to be drawn around in one's mind. To be drawn around in one's mind. What are you saying? I'm saying this. We can sometimes be a Martha that invites him in, but distractions make us oblivious to the very one we invited in. Someone say amen. Jesus says, there's one thing needful. Mary has chosen the good part. There's one thing needful, if I may interject, in this particular moment, in the right now. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I know I'm not pressing any issue here tonight, but listen, Mary has a choice. He says she's chosen the good part. Mary has a choice because Martha already made a decision earlier. 
Mary left Martha to serve alone. She has the good part because Martha has, in a certain way, done a difficult part of inviting him in. Someone say, I need the Martha and the Mary. Not one over the other. Not one without the other. We need invitation. We need habitation. We need his presence. And we need the word. You all folks know this. That's the reason why there are several instances of time that even when we've licked the paint off the ceiling, we've run around the church, danced and shouted. You know what we still do? We preach the word. You probably would have thought they were crazy there in Nebraska from 730 to 9 and get me on the floor and still want somebody to preach. But there's understanding. We had his presence, but now something better for the moment is we got to sit and listen to his word because we need cleansed. We need sanctified. We need washed. We need hope instilled in our... Someone say amen. And yes, one may complete the other. And yes, sometimes our attitude in serving hurts us. And that's practical. It's going to happen. But it does happen. If you'll stand with me, I'll come to a close. Man, thank you, Jesus. You better be saying thank you, Jesus. I was worried in my office. I really was. But as long as the Lord gives me speed to speak, I will speak as a ready writer. Here's something I think we must give consideration to. I think something should be said tonight for the fact that when Jesus visited Jerusalem, and he did oftentimes and many times, that he often visited or stayed in Bethany with Martha and Mary and Lazarus at their house. It's only two miles from Jerusalem, but he would stay at Bethany. It was just a 55-minute walk from there to Jerusalem. But he would stay at Bethany. I don't know. Perhaps he enjoyed the very first invitation he ever got. Perhaps he enjoyed the celebration of somebody willing to take time to sit at his feet and listen. All I can say is thank God for the Bethanies. Now here's something that's interesting, folks. When we get into the book of John, and we're going to get back in it here in a couple of Wednesdays. When we get in the book of John, John chapter number 11, it tells the whole story of Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus who died and was raised from the dead. Whenever Lazarus, amen, was died or was sick or at the point of death, the Bible says that it was both Mary and Martha in John 11. Lazarus' sisters, both Mary and Martha, that sent unto him. Or sin into the Lord. In other words, what I'm saying, Martha's just not inviting him at this moment. Mary and Martha are inviting him. Both were involved in the invitation. And the, whatever you want to say about it, this is interesting. When both invited him, a resurrection happened. So much so we look a little later in the scripture of John chapter number 12. And I'm, I'm going to read the first three verses to you. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover. This is before the Passover of his crucifix. All right. Then Jesus, six days before Passover, came where? To Bethany. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead. I love that. Whom he raised from the dead. Look now, verse 2. There they made him a supper. Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Look at verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Close to crucifix. We don't see anybody inviting him or him asking to come in. It's almost as though he knows he has an open invitation. He says, I'm going by Bethany on my way to be crucified. And what do we have going on yet again? Martha's serving. 
and Mary is at his feet anointing them with oil. Nobody's worried. Nobody's cumbered. Nobody's troubled. There seems to be an open invitation for him anytime both work and wonder and worship are happening everyone's content to be doing their part that's the type of house that I want that's the type of church that's the type of church we need to strive for a Martha Mary type of church so that means Sometimes I'm going to be sitting at the feet hearing the word. And sometimes I'm going to be making the invitation. I can't always just depend on Martha to make the invitation. God help me. I can't always depend on Martha, mom, to make the invitation. They'll go to the prayer room. They'll be all right. They always go. They'll be, it's fine. I can't always depend on Martha. Mary, you got to make your way. Say, come on in, Lord. Sometimes, just like Martha does. But Martha, you can't just depend on Mary. Just to sit at the feet and hear the word. You can't. No, 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 no. You got to find yourself couched up and pulled in close. Listening for that cleansing, sanctifying word. That guiding word as well. We need a Martha Mary type of church. Sometimes we'll get disgruntled in our work. Sometimes we'll get burnt out in our work. Sometimes we'll fuss and cuss about it. Sometimes, yeah, cuss I use loosely. I just, sometimes we'll be distracted from him because of what we're doing. There's been people that's been held to drum cages and pianos. They were playing, yeah. They weren't really entertaining this presence. They were functioning in a row. We need the type of church that if they feel necessary, they can get up from whatever it is. We can pause. If it's necessary, we can pause what's ever going on in the connect group just to entertain a presence that may have shooshed its way in. So I want to strive for the Martha Mary type of church amen we close our eyes all across this place tonight all across this place I wonder if collectively together we could become inviters of the presence inviters of the presence that would then sit at his feet so it would be a habitation then of his presence is there anybody here tonight that says Pastor McGee I desire to be a Martha Mary type of church I want to invite and I want to set at his feet to hear his word I'm not going to ridicule Mary and I'm not going to ridicule Martha sometimes I'm going to play this row other times I'm going to play that row there's sometimes I'm just going to play both rows amen I'm, I'm just going to get all up thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day.